0: this is the working drummer podcast featuring
1: conversations with ground level pros from all styles and regions real drummers with real stories about making a living in music hey everyone this is matthew Krauss and you are listening to the podcast working drummer today my guest is drummer percussionist producer engineer arranger songwriter conductor and composer chuck palmer Chuck's multidisciplinary musical career has led him all over the world, collaborating with artists from diverse cultural backgrounds, including Foreigner, RJD2, Frank Ocean, Dave Egar, Esperanza Spalding, Nora Jones, Five for Fighting, Amy Lee of Evanescence, and many others. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. So as you'll hear Chuck and I go back, uh, we both attended the same school in Columbus, Ohio, Study with Bob Hop, and Eric Payton. It was such a joy to catch up with him and, and shed some light on the diverse workload that uh, Chuck has been doing. And it just seems like such a natural fit for him. Uh, the energy that comes from him and his interest and all these different disciplines that he's gotten himself involved in. One of the things that he wrote to me uh, when we were getting ready for this interview was, uh, he he said, "...whether I'm drumming, programming beats, playing percussion, songwriting, string, orchestral arranging, conducting, mixing, or producing records, I feel that I am fundamentally guided and informed by my relationship to the drums." And uh, hopefully you will find that empowering if your interests go beyond the drums, the drum set, or whatever, into other avenues of creating music. And uh, and and it's makes up so much a part of this conversation. So, hope you enjoy this conversation with Chuck Palmer.
0: I've learned what I've learned is by asking questions and just you know having a passion for it and therefore developing a relationship with the engineer, the producer. they' I'm recording the drums and then when they're done with it, it sounds way better. When they' whatever they did, they made it sound better and then I was and I, I would try to find a moment when I wasn't bothering them yeah. and to kind of say like, dude man, how. How did you do that? Like, cause I, you know, I tried to play the drums as best as I could. And I did my best and I did a good job. And then, and then the mixer and the producer got a hold of it. And it just like turned into this... M- just beautiful drum sound and that had motion and just the compression and the EQ and maybe some verb and probably, you know, all the little magic that they're doing. It just sounded so incredible uh, that I would just then try to find a little moment to say, Hey, what's, what's compression all about? And they, you know, show one, you know, show me a little trick and I, bam, now you got one little compression trick and you just kind of build that, Uh, Yeah. Knowledge base, you know, by asking questions and the people like that I'm talking about, I'm not kidding, man, because these people, um, uh, if I might have a question, I could text them because they're friends and they would answer, you know, and so that's what I'm telling you. Seriously, man, if you have a question, you think I can help you? I would be happy to answer the text and and kind of pass that on because that's a big way of how I actually learned uh, what I know and what I'm continuing to learn. You know, one thing I do believe is just that the drums in particular for sort of the sonic side the engineering and the mixing side i think we have a real advantage because when we do learn on the drum set we the frequency spectrum of the drum kit is really wide you know from the high highs of True. the of the bell of the cymbal with the back of the brush or what you know you can you can get some high high sound and if you if you're doing it right you can get some really low sub and everything in between and yeah. and um I think if we look at it that way, I think when we become better and better drummers and as we learn that craft, a big part of that is self-mixing, whether we know it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, the balance that we hear on the kit as we're playing between the kick and the snare and, you know, we're really inside it. We're always... You know, I kind of eventually learned, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't hit the cymbals like so loud. I had a producer, I had an artist once I was working with, and the track was bombastic tons, and it was so big. But he was like, "Is it cool if every time you hit the cymbal, you do it like super soft?" And it was this like really like intense kind of um, uh, like lesson in 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 the in the instruments of the kit and how you can mix it on the way in. So right. on the mic. So this guy's like, "Hey man, it'd be great if I didn't have to take those loud cymbals and somehow control them and get them to sound this interesting way that I'm hearing. But if you play them softer, I can have that control to do my creative I- idea." Yes. Um, and 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 I was able to do it, and it was tough, and it took me a few takes, you know. But I was able to do it. But I think that was to me that's an example of me playing the drums, but um, that mixing aspect being a part of that experience of playing the drums and therefore when i mix records now and as i learned how to mix records people are like man you're really good at this i mean i only do my best trust me matt it's like i'm not like i'm a great mixer but a couple times (laughs) i've mixed things and people are like hey man this sounds really good yeah and like how why and i'm like i don't know and all i can think is like well i've been mixing the drum kit this entire time so maybe
1: that. Uh, you know. Oh totally. And you know it's so funny cuz like years ago when we interviewed Travis McNabb who played with Better than Ezra and has done all these things he was the first person to talk to me about seeing every limb as a fader. You know like fader on a mixing console. And my co-host and I took uh, that and use that in a master class that we used. And we use like this graphic of a mixer, like right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, each a mixer and see that and mixing yourself. So you are, yeah, you're talking the same thing, man. It's so That's
0: beautiful. I've never thought of that. That is brilliant. Oh my God. I and, love
1: that. And, and, and we, 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 You know, I never realized how heavy my right hand was until I was in the studio and an engineer was like, you're just bashing that hi-hat. And with the advent of in-ear monitors, we sometimes are disconnected from this acoustic instrument uh, in a way that is a disadvantage disadvantage in the modern era uh, to be able to know... Like a guitar player, dude, just hit that volume and you can play with the same intensity. But for us, you can't just turn the volume down on that cymbal and hit it the same.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, and that, and that's the real beauty of, of that sound too. And I'm I'm even when I was young, I was like kinda old school in that um, you know, that true sound of like a drum kit in a room. you know being played by someone who's an expert master drummer mixing it as they play and that sound of that room and sound of that kid and what they're hearing i believe is is i still believe this um i know this to be true it's just it's just or i guess to me you know that it is just so much more um musical and human and 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 it just grooves you know the the groove of that has been something that I'm just so passionate about, Um, but I'm excited to talk to you and ask you about and talk about the programming side and like electronic drums and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. You you and I have known
1: each other a long time, man. Holy shit. So this is funny. (laughs) We have started in the middle. We started the soft, gooey center of this conversation and we're working our way out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've already talked about getting better at our, you know, uh, producing and all this stuff. But, you know, here's, okay, so just to kind of, you know, I, I love this. I'm gonna because I edit in post, but I'm gonna, I, I, I'm I'm gonna use some of this because this is really great. So uh, just to give a quick backstory, we're I'm doing less history these days, less timeline stuff. There's just too much good stuff to get into, but I I, I would I, I feel like it would be doing our listeners a disservice to kind of understand uh, our ch- history. We go back, so we were in college together. Uh, I was me. What was I? Two years older than you, two years uh, in, okay, at Capitol. We both studied with Bob Breithop and Eric Payton yep. at Capitol University, and it's been so fun to see the community of musicians and drummers in our world, either whether it was Columbus itself or Capitol or Ohio State or whatever, and to kind of like then discover all the this path that has been taken. So you're in New York City right now, is that correct? Yeah. Brooklyn. Okay. Yep. Brooklyn. Um, and, uh, uh, over the, you know, I've, I've always kind of kept to have social media allows us to do that. But since I started the podcast, kind of keeping my feelers open for what people have been doing and such a great excuse to connect because man, I, you were always just such a cool and laid back dude with just a real passion for music and drumming and an interest in in music and drumming I could tell just from the get-go and you were probably one of the first people that I began to recognize this here's someone that's younger than me but has a fire that I can draw from that I can be inspired from and feeling the responsibility of an upperclassman, quote-unquote but also feeling a kindred can, kindredship and um and appear in wow. someone younger than me, wow,
0: thank you, you so know. much man
1: um but yeah, so capital and that's and so tell me like can you tell me what led from like that point in time to New York
0: yeah, from capital to new york uh was I ended up getting um a job uh, with Arnett Howard's Creole Funk Band. Yep. Did you? Yeah. So my senior year at Capitol, um, Eric Payton had been my instructor for, for more than a few years. And I'd been uh, playing uh, in his salsa band, Yumbam Bay and learning uh, different percussion instruments and playing with like Derek DeScenzo and these amazing musicians, you know, um, and learning that. And then uh, through Eric and through kind of playing percussion and um, and just be, getting involved, I was able to meet Arnett uh, and get a job for. We played. I did four years with Arnett. And I think we averaged about two hundred and fifty to three hundred shows a year or so. So, so it was. It was a,
1: a, so people don't know Arnett Howard and the Creole Funk Band was an institution that a lot of us grew up and just knew about. And it was one of the few bands in a town in a city like Columbus where you could make a living as a musician. It was such a foreign concept to think. Holy cow, how can you make a living and not have a side hustle? But he was one of those groups. The other side note, Yum Bombay, great salsa band that performed at my wedding. <laughs> oh yes. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm sorry, go on go on from there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so in terms of in terms of getting to New York, then uh, it was too by 2000, I had, I had done um, four years with Arnett, and it was incredible, uh, but I'd always wanted uh, to uh, move uh, to New York, uh, pretty much, but also just to kind of move. I'd grown up in Columbus. I played in a lot of rock bands in Columbus. There's a band called Earwig yes. uh, that, I, that I played drums in in high school and got to record records that there are that we have records that when I was in high school that I got to make, you know, which was so awesome. And I, um, and so, I'm not not to digress, but I've been in Columbus, and it's an incredible music town, incredible drummer town, continues to be. Yeah, uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, Capital was absolutely amazing for me, um, but I was always needed to kind of make that break. I just had that passion. I had I'd seen you know movies uh, about New York and just that jazz lifestyle and just the music lifestyle, and and the biggest thing for me was just the cultures. I, I was so inspired from from. Uh, my, one of my mentors, Eric Payton at, from Capital, he really um, opened my mind to a lot of different styles of drumming, a lot of different styles of music. And we studied taiko drumming because he had spent time in Japan, like I said, the salsa uh, side of things with Yumbambe and more, uh, not to mention everything else um, that I was studying with with, uh, Bob Breithaupt, uh, and even doing on my, and doing on my own, but all the different cultures, I was just captivated by it. And New York city is the place to be when it comes to, uh, to me, in my opinion, in terms of the city of the world, kind of, vibe, uh, all the languages on the streets, all the different types of food, all the different types of people you get to meet. Um, it's just, it just, um, I think I resonate with the city, my sort of inner energetics, or just my, my energetics kind of, match with new york is how i've sort of come to understand it uh and so i moved to new york in 2000 um and it was and on a musical level it was very intimidating you know to think like you know i had no um i don't know i just it wasn't logical to me to say i'm going to move to new york and be a successful musician you know when i when i arrive (laughs) you know what i mean i was like that that didn't make any any sense i i i could i didn't see that path um and you know i had some other um, reasons that you know sort of wanting to get my feet on the ground and kind of learn the city so when I came to New York I ended up um, just just temping uh, and, and working and kind of getting my feet on the ground um, and then it's really interesting man if it's cool if I, if, I hope it's cool i kind of share this with you but um, we are catching up it's, it's amazing yeah. that, um, <laughs> that there's there's so much I'm kind of like thinking i trying to filter it because there's like you said there's so many things we can kind of cover but in terms of getting getting to new york i mean there's a lot of other things uh that occurred but eventually i I was uh able to stop working and just only do music and kind of leverage leverage those two things and and one of the things one of the ways that i did it um that i'd love to uh share with you and kind of share with your listeners as as well you know share with the community um is that um because just to rewind a little bit, when I went to Capitol and when I did my audition for Bob and Eric, um, I, because I had said I've been playing drum set a lot and I right. really loved it. Like you said, yeah. I was totally obsessed with it and, you know, practicing all the time. I was just it, I defined myself by it. I was really passionate about it. So when they when I did an audition, they asked me to play different drum set grooves and I could kind of do it pretty good, I guess. You know what I mean, like they were like, oh, man, like you sound pretty good on this stuff. And then they brought me over to the marimba and the classical snare drum and the timpani and stuff like that. And and I knew music theory from my high school, but I really was only focused on the drums. Yeah. And so I really had limited, incredibly limited keyboard uh, uh, potential reality. Hey,
1: high school, you went to Fort Hayes.
0: Yeah, which is I cannot say I cannot say how grateful I am for that enough enough.
1: Um, yeah, for our <laughs> listeners, that's the, that's a school of the arts, uh, and I went there as well. Uh, did you know that?
0: Her. No, I maybe I didn't know or I forgot. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, nice. yeah, I, and, and I forgot that you had gone there until I was reading some stuff, and 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 that saved my ass. And when I was there, it was a two-year program, but and, and I believe it was maybe a four-year program when you, with, with you then maybe yeah, yeah four and yeah. and my my son is in my sixteen-year-old son is in uh, a school of the arts here in Nashville, and man, what a great way to like get people pointed in the right direction at an early age. So sorry not to cut you off. No,
0: no, and I apologize to you and no. everyone else. But I'm, we're jumping around here on, a, on the timeline. But yeah, the, <laughs> the high school experience was incredible as I was uh, in local bands and playing clubs and going to Fort Hayes High School, which I misspoke. Look, I, it was a two-year program I was in, and we did the half the di- half a day. Totally saying junior and half of the day of uh, senior year, surrounded by other art disciplines, photography, theater, uh, fine arts, friends with, mingling with, going to school with passionate, dedicated, successful already, really uh, incredible artists everywhere. And so Fort Hayes was absolutely incredible. And and my experience at Capitol really uh, sort of leveraged that. At the, at the time when they said, you're, you're we're not gonna focus on drum set at, at Capitol University, of course at the time I thought, oh no. What? <laughs> you know, I was like but I was I was I was somehow I, I was lucky enough to, to, to see and I, I trusted them. I thought, okay, I know this isn't what I want, but I'm going to school, you know what I mean? So let me learn this stuff. And then as a result, not only did I um, you know, get exposed to and learn as much as I could and do as as much as I could on like four mallet marimba, orchestral snare drum, you know, playing Bach on the on the xylophone even, you know what I mean, like doing all, all the different things that they had us do, uh, you know, in lessons that was so valuable. All the jazz harmony and vibraphone, jazz vibes and all this stuff. I mean, really got to see um music from so many different perspectives then like i said well there's i'm not focusing on the drums but as a result i got to learn how to play uh congas the best i could Mm -hmm. and do the salsa thing do the the haitian thing a little bit do the japanese thing and so when i came to new york and i think i was just so blessed to have all those experiences and see uh music from so many kind of different vantage points Um, but always from percussion, always from drums, but still, you know, playing orchestral with Nicholas Perini, uh, playing in the orchestra at Capitol was really having him teach music history, um, I thought he was incredible. He changed my life uh, when we, when he played Shostakovich five, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And, and it was just so I'd never heard anything like it. You know what I mean? And so I was getting all these awesome, um, experiences. And then when I got to New York and started to, uh, make connections and started to play in bands and I started producing the bands, um, that I was playing in, I started programming and making beats. Um, and the other thing I think maybe is, might be interesting about my story or for us to talk about, I'd love to get your opinion on it, frankly. Um, or just to vibe out about it and talk about it, really, because to me, it's just what I'm just so passionate about, so interested in, is my own journey from playing drum set, like, let's say, no metronome, no click. Like, being able to play with a band with no click, no metronome, everyone is playing time together, you know, Miles Davis style. It's not just following a click or following the drummer. You know, a really organic, listening, warm, exchange, dynamic, musical, infinite experience of playing with live musicians you know kind of in a room like what we're talking about recording or whatever um versus uh programming uh an mpc or um or whatever if it's in logic or whatever you know whatever daw or sampler or program that you know you can use to program beats and my journey from being stubborn and like oh no The best drums are the acoustic drums, you know, no click, human heartbeat, Bob Marley, total groove, funk, you know, like the vibe versus um, this this, this electronic side. And I don't know why I was born that way, but I've had such an amazing adventure through my life of being stubborn and not wanting to do the electronic stuff, but then also kind of like thinking like, I need to get this together. I, you know, there's something here and my friends, even other artists that, you know, that they're obsessed with this electronica music and meeting other people and seeing other things and thinking like, no, I want to play the drums. But like, but then, you know, with the production side of things coming in and starting to do it, I'm, I find myself still on the journey, and I'm really, you're catching me midstream here, oh, but I'm great. really, I'm still, my pandemic experience was really finally actually really learning. And having the little, and having an opportunity to learn uh, firsthand experience with some of the people who created some of these electronic styles of music like house, techno, industrial techno, mm-hmm. um, trance, you know, drum and bass. Like, there's all these different genres that I heard, and I'm trying to learn. I'm trying so hard to learn and, and enjoy the electronic side of drums and stuff like that. And I'm and I'm getting there, you know. Over the past decade, I'm producing records. I'm I've done a ton of records. A of tracks that are that are all programmed and i keep it creative and stuff but i'm not but i'm not just on the drum kit um but at the same time yeah it's just like to me that's just one of the most fascinating aspects of being a drummer which i still am a drummer and so when i play in the studio i my goal is to have no edits so i want to do a take right. i don't I don't play that, and when I make records too, you know what I mean. That's not the that's not the goal. The goal isn't to do a thousand takes and nitpick this thing apart and get the thing. To me, you know, as I prefer to work. It's not to say I don't do anything else, obviously, but I have fun with as a drummer, always trying to get that full take. Um, because that spirit, that groove, that human aspect of it, and it's a skill thing too. It's a real, it's a real skill to kind of be able sure. to do that and 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 to reach that goal. And so for me, it's like if I do session work and make records, if the drum track's unedited, that's to me like that's I did it, you know. And then if there's any other edits, it just kind of keeps kind of changing or like going down the thing where I'm like, oh, that's cool, but it was a, a comp of this take and that take, you know what I mean? So it's like. Uh, maybe it's not as uh, as like what I'm passionate about with the rhythm and the music, which is this um, real spiritual, energetic through line that right. that I've learned about from working with some of the top producers and, and creators in the world, uh, and and my own instincts and and seeing it reflected back at me, and learning from other producers and engineers um, and drum instructors too.
1: Um, so so to, uh, to to unpack a few things. Like, uh, as far as um, just to jump right back into the editing thing, and and so I feel like when you're producing, you have a style, you have an approach that you want to take things, and you're in control of the situation, even if you're producing and drumming at the same time. I want to do this, and I think a lot of us are experiencing that at home, you know, to be able to do that. I want this to be one take, but you have the freedom to do that. Where in other situations, maybe the producer is going to ask you to just run it down six times, and they're going to work with it. And that's a struggle that I've kind of had to contend with in Nashville, the way people produce. And they're like, well, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And once you record, it's mine. You know, like I own this, like it's my property now because it's my record either from the artist's point of view or the producer's point of view. And so to kind of understand that workflow, if it's cut and paste, if it's, you know, you know, beat mapping or whatever, and then, and then trying to like work within that framework. But what you're talking about is not only your own control, but also you said you were, uh, learning the workflow from other producers and other writers. So you're seeing that from other producers?
0: Yes, definitely. And, um, and that's, you know, I, you know, am in different situations all the time too, including like what you had just elucidated. And, And and that's more of, um, I remember Steve Gadd talking about this once and saying that when you're a session drummer you're if you're not the producer you you don't have all of the information and sometimes as the drummer you can think like well Maybe it should be this way or that way, but because you don't have all the information about the overall production kind of concept and direction. The
1: end result. The, mm-hmm. the
0: end result. And you have to trust the producer and just, you know, you're working with and you say, okay, and then in that kind of situation, I would switch into a mode where I would think, okay, if if this if I'm just going to do a bunch of takes, then as the drummers out here now listening, put yourself, if you can, and get as much experience as you can producing and if you can get in the producer head you can say if i was a producer i know this is what's going to happen this drummer is going to send me a pro tool session with you know five takes and what's going to be the the most fun uh quick creative liquid fluid uh way that you as a drummer now can provide the producer with something uh you know effective something that doesn't create more work for that producer to get to that to that end result right
1: well you that's know? the thing they're hiring you not only to play drums but to think like a drummer to play the role of a drummer and participate and then move things along to keep the creative flow going
0: yeah. So in that example, I would play one uh, really straight, not a lot of fills, maybe not a lot of cymbal crashes too, kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah. I'd play one with a fill going into every pre-chorus and a big one going to the chorus and a thing on the ride cymbal. And you know, I'd play a big, big ending, big ending, little ending, you know what I mean? Like Kind of like fade out versus just try to think like a producer. Because then sometimes you can, as a studio musician, you might do some cool cymbal thing at the end and then they're like, oh my God, that's really cool. Let's add strings and flute to that, and we're going to mute the bass now. And we're going to not do the guitar, heavy guitar. We're going to let's take this in a different direction, production-wise. So if you you as a drummer can be a uh, part of the team and a part of the creative team that way, and think solutions-oriented, the produ- you know producers will love that. I think you know what I mean.
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, years ago, I had a chance to talk with Chad Cromwell. I'm not sure if you're familiar, with the you know great Nashville session drummer, but has done tons of work in the in the rock world as well. But he mentioned something about, uh, we look to melodic instruments like guitar and keyboards to come up with a hook, a riff, or whatever you want to call it, that signature to that song. But as a drummer, you can bring that. You can bring that signature to the song that elevates the song. You know what I'm saying? And you're talking about those things
0: oh yeah i think of it as you know we it's like an opportunity that we have to um you know participate and so many great songs do it you know so many great songs have signature sort of either drum fills or just rhythmic sort of concepts and and rhythmic hits i mean if it's okay now um based on sort of our pre-production kind of conversation this could be a good time for me to to kind of talk a little bit about the string arranging that I do.
1: Hang on that. Hang on that, because I just want to read something that you wrote. If you don't mind, you sent me an email of information about what's been going on, um, and it's so great. But you wrote this, and I'll I'll try and keep it, uh, do this as quick as possible, but it really kind of encapsulates a lot of, where you're coming from and and where we can go with this and and keep our listeners engaged. Uh, You wrote, drummers make great mixers. We also make great composers, producers, arrangers, conductors, and more. But at our core, we will always be drummers. By the way of drums, I I have explored an exciting multidisciplinary musical career that has led me all over the world, collaborating with artists from diverse cultural backgrounds. What you're saying is... I feel that I am fundamentally guided and informed by my relationship on the drums. And this comes from everything, whether you're drumming, programming beats, playing percussion, but songwriting, string, orchestral arranging, conducting, mixing, or producing records. Dude, that's a lot. That's, that's... That's, and it's freaking amazing, but you're just like, no, but at my core, I'm a drumming. I'm a, I'm a drummer, and this informs me, helps inform me how I approach producing, how I approach string arrangement. And when I knew you, you were that you were that young man that you described at first, where I'm all about the drum set when we first met, but seeing much the way I did, the discovery and the joy of melodic instruments through four-mallet percussion and ethnic percussion—that was the launching point for you. And to find out about string arrangement, I really am curious to know about where what was your introduction to doing string arranging, and where did you learn it? I'd
0: love to. I'd uh, love to share a little story. I mean, it was it was sort of it's it's almost like picking back up on the New York spot where we were in terms of me me kind of getting to new york and then uh with that crossfade from working and supporting and doing music yeah i think everything in terms of music is right it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome yeah.
1: um you like to uh, change keys here and talk about <laughs> straight <strength.
0: laughs> yeah yeah nice but boom, boom. Um, in 2008 i was doing a drum session playing drums for um a, a couple of uh, major producers uh, in new york i was at chung king studio um and one of the producers after i finished and the drums it was super simple it was literally uh it's so cool to talk to you matt because it was the gretch you uh sold me a a set of Gretsch drums out of Columbus Percussion. I don't know if you remember that or not.
1: I don't um, know if I do. That's
0: and, awesome. And, and, v dr- and V drums and all this stuff, man. You, you and I are like are super, super linked. And so, so as I've been going over some of these stories, it's funny because you're like affiliated with them. So anyway, so I'm playing this uh, Gretsch bass, bass drum that I got at Columbus Percussion. Um, just kick, snare, and hi-hat. Sort of a two-beat, almost like a little two-beat, you know, Johnny Cash kind of a two-beat vibe on uh-huh. it. You know, Who's Johnny cool. Cash? Little train, little train groove. Yeah, exactly. In, in What's New York, train groove? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but no fills, no frills, super chill on the brushes, just super light pocket, straight pocket, no edits, straight from the top to the bottom, you know? So yeah. the verse pulls back a little, the chorus gets a little, and it just kicks there in a the hi-hat, you know, the energy, that flow that we were talking about. So anyway, so I'm there, I'm doing that track, lov- loving it, having a great time. And then when it's done, they're like, hey, what are you doing right now? I said well, I'm just gonna chill, go home. They said if you can stay, uh, there's a gentleman coming who does string string arranging. This cellist named Dave Egar, E G G A R, and um, yeah, they just said, hey, this guy's coming, and if you can stay, he's really he'll really blow your mind. So if you can, do yourself a favor and like hang out and watch this guy uh, do his thing.
1: What a great so, opportunity! Awesome. Uh, it, was,
0: it was incredible. And so I'm just sitting in the corner quietly and, you know, not bothering anyone. Uh, he came in and heard the track and was automatically said, oh, who's who played drums on this? And it was kind of a funny question. It was sort of like, why is he asking that question? You know, it's kind of a weird kind of an odd question. And it was, they were kind of like, oh, this guy did actually, you know, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And And, and we really that day in the studio, we just connected uh musically sort of like on a music i think of it as like musical soulmates i know some people don't i I might be using the wrong term or whatever but you know that time when you meet someone and you're just you it's like yin and yang and it's just the vibe is just there and immediately we got it we stayed connected and the next weekend we were producing a record with that same producer who introduced us one of her artists and dave was doing strings and i was doing drums and then we quickly he, start, he started to see the records that I was producing, and we started getting to know each other and working immediately doing live shows together. I had him play on some of my band's records, so then he saw that I was mixing records and, and uh, playing in bands and making records like I was doing, and he said, oh, why don't you mix, or sorry, why don't you uh, produce my next record? And so wow. then he and I started mit- working on his record and, uh, called Kingston Morning uh, that came out, I think, in 2009 or ten. Uh, there's a We went to the Grammys uh, for that uh, record, That's Grammy-nominated right. track, which is amazing. And And I don't there's so many avenues I can go down and I've done so I've had so many opportunities uh, to do so much incredibly life-changing for me, musical work and experiences as a result of meeting Dave Agar and as, and as a result of, you know, our collaboration and, you know, him believing in me and he and I just really being an effective team, you know, we, we really can, can get a lot of things done. And so, Where I kind of started to jump there was just in terms of, uh, to to further explain, when I work, uh, you know, the bulk, if not really all of the string arranging I've done has been with Dave Egar, With sort of, you know, he is a cellist and he is a a string arranger. But when we work together, I'm a a part of this arrangement team and we sort of have developed uh, a bit of a sound together, sort of like a band. even as it comes to string arranging. And so, but my part of the band of the string arrangement team is very much often, I mean, I I do, I am uh, very grateful that I uh, am sort of a a good top line writer. So the melodies and stuff that you were talking about, I've always had um, a passion or I feel as like just really grateful like that I can hear melodies and make up melodies and make up songs and like write things and stuff like that. And so I'm very grateful for that. But then also, you know, just more on a conceptual orchestration uh, arrangement. We were talking about flow before, and when you're playing a song on the drums and the verse kind of has a certain feel, and the pre chorus might something's brewing, and then the chorus is like, yes, we're here, come back. You know, there's all these energies that the drummer uh, gets to um, interpret and and provide, and, and, you know, and that adventure. And so when I look at a string arrangement, a lot of it is like, the topography almost of the I I call it like the feng shui Mm -hmm. which I know I don't know if that makes sense but it's I call it the rhythmic feng shui and if something's not in the rhythmic feng shui it just doesn't it doesn't flow It breaks the flow. And so a whole lot of it is about uh, shaping things. And rhythm has such a huge part to do with that, like going to 16th notes under the bridge versus quarter notes versus eighth notes versus a call and response answer back. Like it might be like, here's a you know, the beginning of the bar and then the second part of the bar has like a rhythmic kind of a thing. And maybe I only come up with the rhythm and it's like, you know, some kind of a vibe and maybe sing a little bit of an idea. And then Dave is like, oh my God, cool. I love that rhythm, but what if it goes like this? or whatever, he'll, you know, and then, oh, how, how thick should the harmony be? Should it, you know, how dense do we want this? Like orchestrationally, is it violins? And it's only high, we're suspended at this moment of the breakdown verse before the big shout chorus, you know, or is it, we're really in the meat of things and we're going to, you know, uh, harmonize it with violas and layers and cellos. Maybe we we want an upright bass in there in that section. And so you really just start looking at things from, it's like I think this is a big part of what I'd love to inspire people to do. And then the whole kind of vibe about it is like it is it's all music, you know, and, you, and the skills uh, cross over to one another in different, right. uh, different just because
1: your experience is in drumming your passion. And, and, and that was the start of what you're, you know, uh, you're, that was your entry point into music. Does not mean that's where it begins and ends? It can open up, if anything, give you an advantage to others having this relationship with a rhythmic instrument, a an instrument that covers a wide range, like you said, of son a sonic palette from the very high to the very low. It's like we are, we are right for. Uh, arranging and comp- composing and all these things so my question to you is like so I I do I do want to kind of just use our conversation as, as hopefully a launching point to inspire someone that is feeling the pull to get into things beyond drumming or the drum set or whatever uh, and feel like they need to be composing they need to be working more in a melodic and harmonic uh, a place in music. So, uh, uh, w- w- a question I have from that and then your experience being a musician and bands in the pop world or did you study like a more uh, schooled approach to orchestral arranging with that?
0: No. No, yeah. I did not. I, I, for me it's I'm a collaborator like a team uh solutions based like I said collaborator and and the way I really see it is that I'm the producer of the arrangement is sort of how mm. it makes the most sense to me you know yeah um but um yeah like I said you know my goal never was and it's you know to do string arranging it, it was never anything I ever really uh thought like you said it's 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 very intimidating it doesn't seem like something um that unless you you know go down that rabbit hole um can, can really you know kind of fully explore your voice in, you know well, like, and on the, the,
1: yeah and one of the reasons I, I asked well for all the other points i had set up the question uh, obviously but uh i had an opportunity to interview don perry from jethro tall and he spent Probably four or five years taking string arranging classes in Los Angeles to, to then. But I mean, you know, you know, it's like, oh, OK, so that's how you do it. No, that's that's one way of doing it. But music is music. It's a creative process. You can still and if anything, what you're telling me it hopefully should be even more of an inspiration to anyone that is interested in getting it, it's like if you miss that out, miss that opportunity to maybe study string arrangement. That doesn't mean you can't arrange strings.
0: <laughs> I yeah, and, and and like I said, I mean, so much of my string arranging experience has been uh, working with Dave Egar, the cellist, who yeah. Yeah. is a string, you know, ma- a master uh, string player and master arranger as well. But for for m- for my collaborative piece of it. Uh, it's, it's heavily on the creative side. It's the idea. It's sort of, I'm like the ideas guy, you know,
1: Uh,
0: Dave has, Dave knows everything. He's got a Rolodex that he can, without music, pull out and just play and explain and elucidate, uh, any, any kind of concept, um, and so, a big part of my thing is why I kind of feel like we work together, and I'm almost producing, kind of writing and producing the arrangement, um, because I'll say, "Oh, and here, let's let's you know thicken it up here," or like I said, you know, thin it out, play this melody, do this, and then he can take you know those. Um, it's almost like the when you're making movies, often uh, one aspect of it is the the title of the movie and a sentence about sort of what the movie's about. Um, and so it's, and from that, that's the idea. Yeah. and From that, the screenplay comes, the everything comes, you know, just from literally like a title and the perfect lead line of like, I, uh, I learned this from, uh, Brian Grazer, uh, um, who produces with Ron Howard and has a book uh, on curiosity and, uh, And it's Splash, the movie Splash, and it's just, the title Splash and the line, I'm going to butcher, this is not the lead line, I'm butchering this, my apologies, but it's more or less like a man falls in love with a mermaid. You know, and (laughs) that's enough to make them. I mean, that was his idea. And he like mailed it to himself and they made this huge movie. And it's like, it's sort of that reality, too, in terms of inspiration, especially with collaboration. Uh, Collaboration is such a fun uh, art, you know, dance to be in. And sometimes you pull back and you don't do a lot. And sometimes you got to do way more than the other person or come up so you know often my situation and the work that i've done is it's sort of i'm kind of like the ideas guy like there's a blank slate and it's like okay what's the kind of overall movie title and like lead line what's the approach of this arrangement what is the how is this arrangement gonna you know, function and lift this song up? Or, you know, is it only at the end? You know, when when does it come in and and all these things? And I mean, Matt, you know, Dave and I in this very room have worked on uh, hundreds, if not over a thousand different uh, string arrangements that we've done here. And for everyone out there listening, when we record it, you know, we bring in a violinist, cellist, you know, we, we record the strings and then I take all the files, clean them, mix them, stem them out, and deliver them to the real producer of the record. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of producing the string, you know, mixing, yeah. reporting, helping with the, with the process. You know, yeah, I yeah. actually just, you know, I, I don't focus on harmony very much because I feel like Dave is so focused on harmony yeah, yeah. that that we don't need more harmony. <laughs> we, you know, we need, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I do know harmony. You know, yeah. and I went to, with, to school with Bob Reidhop and they were like, no, you can't play drums. And you got it. We, we, you know, we learned all that, you know, yeah, right. and I never really applied it because I'm just, you know, playing drums. And, you know, but man, drummers, we, we know harmony on such a intimate level. It's, you know, it just if you're a drummer and it goes to the four chord, you it doesn't you don't have to know that it goes, you know, from C to F or something like that. It, it changes the color changes the energy changes the story changes the groove we know harmony even if we don't You know, we even if you don't know flat nine, sharp eleven, or all these different things, you know what I mean? That 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 are great to know, and you can get a lot done knowing those things. But um, yeah, you know, my story, yeah, for you know, maybe I will like really get into that and study that one day. I'd love to, but I'm also mixing and you know doing all these all these different things, and I'm still playing drums too, which is no small feat to. On a on an athletic level and an instrument level, as you know, you know what I mean. Like keeping up as a as a drum set player is takes a lot of time. Oh <laughs> well, you know I mean? yeah. So, hey, I,
1: I had to. We had to reschedule this interview because I had a deep tissue massage appointment to keep my shit together. Because um, <laughs> remember, job. Chuck, I am older than you. <laughs> Hey, so, you know, and and just, again, a couple things to take away from what you're saying. And, you know, it's interesting. So the Nashville number system is the way charts are written. And, you know, it's a number. So if you're in the key of C, uh, when you see the number one, that's C. When you see the number four, that's F the number five, you know, there's flat six. So there are drummers, great session players, that don't play anything besides drum set. But when they're handed that number chart, as everyone is handed the same copy of the chart so we can all follow along and the band leader can direct and the producer can direct, when you see that minor two and and, and, and where it indicates the bridge, you're like, something's changing here. Or maybe that one time it goes to the five on the verse, you're like, I bet that there's a crash symbol happening here you know like you just sense that the other thing uh the other takeaway what 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 made you things something you were saying that made me think of this is a great songwriter i know who spent a lot of time in the studio over the years said you know hey we know there's notorious session musicians that we all hear about see read about uh and uh guitar players bass players organ players drummers whatever And uh, they're just masters at their instruments, and they're on tons of records, but oftentimes you're called upon to come up again with that hook, that, that riff, that thing that defines the song in such a beautiful way aside from the melody. And, you know, I'm talking about pop music right now, just the very traditional pop music. If we could use that as an example, he said, so uh you just to use him as an example i take a, like a guitar a nashville session player guitar player who's uh, done an, an insane amount of work over the last 25 30 years brent mason nice who is no t- just just a world class uh, session guitar player defined a genre for sure but also in the country and the pop world and everything like that um, you know, it's like, yeah, this guy's really good, but can he come up with, again, I'm just using him as an example, I'm probably way off base, but like, you could have somebody that may not have his skill set, but come in and create something that is an amazing melodic or harmonic hook that defines the song, maybe the turnaround, the intro, uh, whatever, that then makes that song connect with millions of people more so than what Brent Mason did during the guitar solo. So like he is a he's a master at the guitar, maybe the way, as you see, like Dave at the cello, but for a visionary or someone to be able to produce and arrange and come up with the idea that you don't have to be a master at such and such an instrument to be the idea man, to say, hey, look, you're the cellist, you're the guitar player, you're the keyboard player, I have an idea, and I'm going to verbally, trying to explain it, and then the person says, oh, yes, because sometimes I think we're too close to our instrument. There's so many times that we've been in a band situation and and somebody in the band says, hey, listen, I have an idea for the drums. What if instead of this, you did this or producer or whatever? And you said, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. As a drummer, yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think that I think that is um, where when Dave Egar met me, he thought, oh, cool, like. We can we can work together and, you know, we're we're kind of bouncing things off each other. And when we work together, it's sort of, you know, better than either one of us kind of thing It kind of creates something um, new, you know, uh, together. So he
1: saw your abilities as someone beyond, you know, just playing the drums, but just your music, musical sensibilities, uh, your other skills of arranging and producing to like this guy is going to be a valuable asset.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's been incredible to work with him um, on just a myriad of, of projects. And, you know, a lot of the major uh, projects that I've worked on have been through uh, working with Dave and, and we've started now getting work off of our other work. So we'll we'll put out a track. And the strings on it, like we did the strings on Frank Ocean's Channel Orange, which is a really big record. Uh, we got to go to L.A. and work with Frank Ocean and Malay, the producer, and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then found out that Frank had heard a song off of Kingston Morning. So that's how we that's how we had heard it is like some other song that we had heard. And obviously, I don't even you know, I didn't I don't know. That was just what I heard or whatever. But th- but that idea of, uh, you know, engaging in the world saying yes you know doing things and then it starts to carve a new path that you that you can kind of start to follow or something that you kind of can add on like i'm still playing drums I, i'm i'd love to talk to you about my my current drum teacher that i'm studying with now here in brooklyn oh wow and, uh, which is amazing uh, for me uh, but i'm also i you know i i worked on the uh, The String Arrangement with Dave for a Grammy-nominated track uh, for Skip Marley, uh, who's Bob Marley's grandson, uh, the 2020 record, so this past Grammy cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also played percussion on a record with Priya Darshini. Um, and that was nominated for a Grammy as well. And I'm just playing like percussion. I'm playing my Gretsch floor, Tom, with a cool mallet. <laughs> I'm putting these cool brushes on the floor of a church. I think I probably played some cajon, which I do a lot of I play. I end up playing a lot of cajon sometimes too. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know it's a, I'm, I'm jumping around a little, but, you know, just that idea also of like, uh, being open and saying yes, it's like this idea that, um, you know, the drummers that are listening are, are masters. We, we have our 10,000 hours on this instrument and, and we can take that knowledge, that perspective, those strategies, those musical solutions, those creativity, those ideas, those experiences, and we can juxtapose them on other aspects of art in general, but certainly music. And so... You know, I'm I'm conducting now, and wow. I, I I actually conducted the National Symphony Orchestra with uh, the rock band Foreigner and Dave Agar and I and Mick Jones uh, who wrote all the music for Parter. The three of us um, and 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 our team, you know, put together uh, these arrangements that we tour the world uh, and play. And one day uh, we were doing a U.S. run, and they were like, "Well, who's going to conduct it?" And Dave was like, "Well, Chuck Chuck conducts in the studio when we do our arrange our string arrangements and the and." and people like that and it helps a lot it works and it makes the arrangement sound better because you know I'm conducting and everyone gets louder when I get louder and they yeah. get softer when I get softer so I, I was doing a little conducting I learned a little bit about conducting from Nicholas Perini and Bob Breithop at Capital University right 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 I never, never did I think in a million years I would be a conductor never did I I really did I never didn't even want to be a conductor but do I love it I absolutely love it it's incredible it's so fun it's so musical it's such a I learned so much about the drum Drums from conducting you know it's amazing way, yeah. yeah but the way that i could conduct too is because i'm a drummer when the when the when the bridge is coming when the chorus is coming all of us drummers we play a fill that leads in to the the chorus <clears throat> when you're a conductor and the section's coming you gotta know two bars before the section comes so you can get a little bigger then get really big and bring everyone in at the big uh you know section the next section big or small whatever it is yeah, you got to yeah. bring people in you got to lead people drummers are leaders and so i think i'm using my leadership skills as a drummer listening and and leadership arranging drummers have to know the form of the song yeah with, more than anyone because we got to yeah. lead you into the next section of the song or oh, not more you know i mean it's really important arranging on the on, as a drummer you got to know the form of the song and so I can, all that knowledge and all that passion about drumming, then if I'm looking at a string arrangement, I'm literally, I'm looking at it like the similar way that I would look at playing a song on the drums and how I want to kind of shape it or how I can help the artist shine and and shape and just tell the story and the emotions of the music.
1: So for our our listeners, you know, we're we're doing a FaceTime video here and and, and Chuck is literally getting up off his seat and and conducting his conference. (laughs) I love it, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so good. Well, hey, I'm just so excited to and see you, man.
1: I I have a I have a question though about that, and I've always wondered this when I I see uh, orchestras backing up rock bands. You know that it's 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 been a thing over the last 20 years or so, and uh, I see the conductor, and I'm like, why is there a conductor there when you when you the stereotype of Classical musicians is everything you need to know is on the page. From the notes to the rhythm to the articulation to the dynamics, everything is there for you, as opposed to obviously jazz or improvisational music or even pop music, even structured pop music. There is, there's no, there's no, uh, like the drummer is, I mean, the way you've described the relationship between. Or, or the similarities, the parallels between drumming and conducting make an insane amount of sense. You know, like what? Because because e- even in a even in a pop situation, you are you can control the dynamics of a band. You know, of a full on rock band, uh, and obviously tempo and groove. Those are those are the obvious parts. But even dynamically and articulating uh, those aspects of it. So. Because the drummer and the drummer for Foreigner is there playing and keeping time and all those things, what is the conductor's role? And when I see that, what what really is the role? Are they just comfortable with that or do they need that direction?
0: Uh, they de- When the drummer's playing, it, they need it a lot less, obviously, because okay. the, drum- the drums are there and they can count the bars and the time, especially in a... Uh, rock uh, arena style foreigner rock show uh, with Chris Frazier who's incredible he lives in Nashville too okay. and it's so fun to be on stage with him and, and hear him and, and get to uh, yeah he sounds know, great power. oh he sounds so good super cool dude um, but we we created uh, there's probably four or five Five maybe moments depends on what version of the show we do. Uh, there is an overture out front that's probably three minutes or so long um, that uh, sort of intros the show uh, that we worked with Mick Jones to write and to pull um, little melodies from some of from some of their their many great hits that they have and. And sort of put it through a different lens with no with no band, so it's only uh, orchestra. And so then, you know, obviously the conductor. I mean, I think it's just a big part of it is just an acoustic kind of thing too. Like if you're depending on how far away you are, and you're you know playing upright, you know double bass, and uh, you know if the the violinist is kind of clear on the other side, and you guys are both kind of playing the same fast sixteenth note kind of passage or eighth note passage. I think just having that ictus and just having that tempo just to kind of be able to if everyone's kind of following the same point then we have a lot better idea of certainly groove stuff kind of lining up um when there isn't a band certainly you're right when the when the drums come in which is the majority of the show uh the conductor's job especially at a rock show my job uh becomes much more about um cueing sections and frankly i try to you know really embody and have a lot of Uh, and try to bridge the gap between the rock side and the orchestral side. And I kind of, Dave and I have worked really hard to, um, uh, kind of develop ourselves, I'd say in a way where, um, It's so amazing to work with with Dave because he's such a master classical musician among many other styles of music, and he's a producer as well, a pianist. I mean, I can just go on and on about this guy. So anyone in any orchestral situation, I mean, he's in the he's in the the in my mind, you know, in the, in like the lineage, you know I mean? He's like in the the river of music. He's a part of that history um, of American classical uh, cellist, you know? And, um, and so to to have him there and I'm frankly a little bit more of the rock side, like I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I started Mm -hmm. out playing rock drums um, uh, more like sort of alt rock, indie rock nineties kind of, kind of sound stuff, but still, you know, that, that rock energy and stuff. And so, um, you know, I do everything I can to be the, best most competent and um you know skillful conductor that i can be in the moment but also a big part of the of my job as i see it is to marry the two worlds and kind of create a uh and an event of it and like get the orchestra like the goal is to kind of get the orchestra members by the end so you got sound checked or rehearsal you know and then like the first and the intermission like by the end you know once we're doing like jukebox hero and i want to know what love is and everyone's got the lighters out and stuff like that it's just it's such a beautiful thing there's i feel like my goal and i always you know feel like it happens where there's there is a connection there is that camaraderie of like oh yeah music's music like this these rock and roll songs are beautiful yeah, the lyrics yeah, yeah. are incredible they're so well written our arrangements are, are actually pretty subtle too you know like mm. we didn't we worked with mick it wasn't about us coming over the top and saying we're putting orchestra on top we really uh, had it be an integrated process and followed mick a hundred percent on that um but yeah i mean man we uh, we did multiple arrangements for each song it was a really creative fu- fun process where, uh you know, work, working uh, with Mick. So I think I got sidetracked, man. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. But we're going to get into a conversation about a song that you worked on with Amy Lee from, what's the band? Evanescence. Evanescence. I just thought I was going to say it wrong. Evanescence. Uh, and this will be available on our Patreon page. Uh, if you're interested, go to patreon.com slash working drummer for Uh, just a super small donation you can access all this educational material exclusive content, so we're going to get into this right now, if you're not hearing it, you need to go over to Patreon so, here we go I had kind of set up like three different questions for you, uh, and let me read those as quickly as I can. Question one, did you have a clear idea or plan of what you wanted to do in music? You know, when you say, for example, like when you moved to New York, this is what I want to do. And then, and then did you proactively go to, about putting those in place? Question two, did you have a vague idea or, a, or broad goals you wanted to meet in music? And was there anything you did to put yourself in kind of in the in that kind of direction to kind of get yourself? Or third question, were you just opening yourself up to the universe and allowing it to dictate the direction of your career?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I love I love this. And it's interesting as you're asking it, i'm I'm identifying, aspects of i think all three i would mm. say the one that i most uh line up with as as i understand it and perceive it which is just my own perception of you know of my life um is that a little bit more of the second question uh-huh. that was kind of you know i mean the, the literal uh piece of it was what my idea was my goals were i thought If I can play drums for the next five to 10 years and and focus on that, get in bands, go on tour, studio, like you said, like just focus on the drums and just only define myself as a drummer. Then after about five to 10 years, I can leverage my experience, my relationships, my contacts. I can learn along the way, I thought. And then in about five or 10 years, I could... I could work to leverage myself into a position of more of a producer and, you know, and, and a bit more on the creative side too, I think it's kind of like where that would kind of uh, flourish the most kind of initially playing drums, maybe not necessarily on the creative tip, like getting in bands, like playing the part, like doing the gig, playing with the big artists and just learning the records or learning the show and delivering it every night and not being creative, not, not having that creative voice. Um, and so that was sort of what I thought was going to happen. And then what ended up happening was, um, I very quickly started producing records and my little, like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to do this became, Hey man, that mix sounds good. Like your mix sounds better than the guy's mix that we just paid to mix it. So yeah. you're we're putting we're putting your mix on the record, and this is like just a couple of years. I'm in my five ten year plan. This is like year one or two. Uh, my mixes are now on records. You know, so yeah. I'm like, oh, so it did, it happened a lot more uh, sort of jumbly um, than I had thought it would or that i had intended or planned or thought was possible a lot of is what you think is possible or or what you don't you know kind of limiting beliefs that way too um and so uh the and then what's interesting is that the third question in terms of letting it kind of the universe um kind of dictate it um without get without you know we can go into all kind of examples i mean that's that's actually one of the uh, my main sort of north stars as i um i just i have the saying to myself that's like you know see the signs or you know like you know read the signs and see the signs in a way of like you know if there's a if you think something happens and it's like a sign from the universe kind of yeah, a thing yeah, yeah. you know whether it's a person or sometimes they're objects like sometimes i'll be in my ego head and thinking a certain way and wanting to give up or just being frustrated or angry or resentful or whatever about a situation i'm in musically and then i'll see uh, one time I I saw a poster of the Beatles that my mom had gotten me when I was nine years old. It's in my room as we speak, and it's been in my room my whole life. And I was in this moment, and I was gonna, you know, do something really dumb, probably, you know what I mean? And I was just, and I was so upset. And I was just young and dumb. And my perspective was way off. And I was like, okay calm down take it take it easy calm down go go to the bar get a beer calm you know i went to and behind the bar is this picture of the beatles and i thought you know i think i'm in the right place like i think i'm i you know it just immediately the universe came in and i totally calmed down and i was like oh yeah i don't worry about all this all my ego or whatever i'm dealing with or this person's not whatever all this stuff you know i was like music man i'm here for the music the, the, I'm on this journey I'm on this path and it might be a coincidence or it might be you know or it might be a sign it might be from the universe I don't know but it, but it's fun for me when those things happen I actually put a lot of weight on those kind of coincidences sometimes and in that moment I thought this is a sign <laughs> you know?
1: it, it, it sounds like you know I've only given you three options but there's there's more there's many more than just the three, and almost like you had an idea of what it is you wanted to do, and then once you were kind of on that way, or the universe said, this is where you—and you discovered, like, ooh, I didn't know this was the path I wanted to be on, but I like this, now that I'm on this path, and time and experience and relationships builds that, uh, builds upon that, then you're allowed to say, like you've said many times in this conversation— it's I'm, I'm ready to say yes. I'm, I'm saying yes to this stuff and saying yes to the things obviously that come your way that just that feel right. That makes sense.
0: You know, a lot of a lot of times it's like when people have believe in me, too. You know, they say, hey, we need you to conduct the Nashville Symphony. And the first thing I think is like, I can't do this, you know, but but then I but it's been happening so much to me that I just think like, OK, I guess I have to do this. I got to figure it out. And and, um, and and it's and it's uh yeah it's it's like, it's that saying yes and but it's also you know the people that ask me to do these things they know that i can do it too like yeah, the person I, I don't want to name name drop so too much i, I don't like do that so much but like some really amazing incredible and important and uh, musical uh, figure in, in our industry said you're gonna you're gonna do great at this Oh. And he's a real, a real elder, like a really wild li- living legend of an elder, you know, in the music industry. And he's like, y- you know, you're going to do this. It's going to be great, you know. And bef- and when he said that, I just thought, OK, like oh. I, I'm i going to do this and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do this. And it might be fun. You know, it's a little side note. The way I learned to conduct the orchestra was at the ocean. I uh, go to the ocean and the waves crashing and the energy of the ocean and the you know the motion of the ocean I could I could listen to a record conduct it memorize it learn it and no group of people on a stage is going to have that amount of dynamic and out of control energy as the ocean <laughs> you know and so it's sort of that that thing of like solutions where it's like okay I I'm petrified to to do this what how can I What can I do to emulate a situation or to get some, you know, like I'll practice formal marimba on my bed and I'll draw the marimba bars on paper and I'll learn the piece on you know i learned how to play the drums before i got a drum kit on pillows you know what i mean mm-hmm. and when i sat down at a drum kit i was sitting there playing the drums because i kind of learned how to do it on pillows and same I, yeah. I still learn i still learn if i got a studio thing and i'm in a hotel room i set up the pillows and if it's a difficult chart i'm reading i'm learning some weird thing that i gotta learn i'll still do it on pillows you know you gotta like find the, sol- the solutions in order for you to to rise to, to the occasion yeah yeah
1: and, yeah, and, yeah yeah I hear you. When when you conducted the Nashville Symphony, were you were like, were you surprised when you showed up and there weren't cowboy hats and nudie suits with people playing? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, I thought this was Nashville. What the hell?
0: Oh man, I was so incredibly intimidated and honored, and just like so excited to be in you know Music City and and, and you know with those musicians at that level and in that town and in that you know hey. sacred space. You know, I mean, it was very. Um, it was inc- it was just an in- incredible uh, experience for sure.
1: Hey, well, next time you're in town, you better call me, man, or let me know, dude. It was yes. Oh, I awesome. certainly
0: I will, Matt. And I don't know if we have a moment or if I can even just tell you real quick. I did want to give a shout out to my new teacher that I had mentioned. Yes. Um, and I wanted to 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 bring this up to you and also to share with the audience the beauty uh, other another beauty that we get to experience as musicians and and as drummers is like you said, man, it just never ends. Like we can just keep learning and just keep going inspired from the younger generation, from our generation, from every generation. And I, um, living in Brooklyn, I'm so uh, grateful that I met a teacher here, this guy named Rick, uh, Considine, and he's an incredible, uh, drummer and, uh, is literally i am learning now and like kind of completely changing my approach to the drums
1: oh my god
0: it's so awesome and 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 intimidating at the same time and um it's it's just been um just really incredible and so i i just wanted to um Give him a shout out because over the past couple of months only, I think I might I think I met him in June of 2021, and it's uh, September now. Uh, so I've just had this handful of lessons with him, and already it's just completely uh, t- put so many things uh, uh, t- together for me um, in terms of the uh, the history of the instrument and the and technique and and, and the approach. And so I'm just so thrilled uh, to kind of mention him and and to really like plug him and support him for drummers who are uh, in person, you know, in New York and Brooklyn that are looking for some real deal uh, in the lineage like I said, you know, I was talking about Dave who I work with, I just see these musicians who are in the, the river as I see it and this guy uh, Rick uh, Considine has, uh, it, it is in that river and I, it's just so exciting to me to, to be able to continue to learn and grow and like literally man i feel like i've been playing drums for i've been playing drums for 30 years and there's aspects of it where i'm like oh my gosh i've been doing it wrong for this whole time oh, i, I know i can't well, believe i've been doing it wrong the whole time and now i'm trying to implement these these new techniques and, and bring it all together and i'm just like a kid in a candy store man it's like i feel like i'm a kid again it's so awesome
1: dude i mean that's come up on the podcast many times you know just it's like you and and i i need to do that i i took a lesson from um Dave Elitch. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, it was one lesson, and it was over, you know, Zoom. But, uh, but, but again, it's like you can't stop learning, and and you you see and you hear about athletes that have coaches their whole life. You know, why not? Why not? Well, tell me briefly. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. And give me the name one more time.
0: Rick Considine. He taught at Berkeley for okay. two decades. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's in, and uh, and he's played with just a list of some of the uh, groove pocket. He's heavy jazz pocket mm-hmm. player.
1: That's amazing. Uh, and Love but it. just a
0: master, total master. And it's just been I'm just so thrilled and so grateful to. That's amazing. Have kind of linked wanted, up with here in New York. Yeah.
1: Tell me uh, some some things that are upcoming. You've got some producing things coming up. And then you mentioned also uh, doing uh, some conducting for Foreigner that are coming up. Just kind of like give us a, a uh, uh, an idea of what the rest of your year looks like.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be working with a producer in Williamsburg named Brant Gassman at Ruffian uh, Recording Studios, which is his studio, which is close by me in Williamsburg, uh, and doing uh as much as i can as we were talking about the studio uh sort of film score and and records recording uh drums for records and so i'm doing that as as much as possible and really excited to be set up to do that uh, I'm producing a record uh, for a band out of Miami. Um, they're called Gara Grooves um, at the moment, but we're we're uh, in the lab and we're working with some great mixers and producers uh, down in Miami and all over, and in, in Los Angeles recently. Uh, the vocal producer Heather Holly, um, and uh, and then. Uh, a producer in miami named spam uh he's absolutely incredible and so and all the musicians down there we're having such a blast with all the drummers man it's like an afro-cuban funk soul record mm-hmm. so we have like yo alito on, on, on timbales and uh pata uh, mm-hmm. uh uh drummers uh down from from down there uh real deal Holyfield uh vibes on that i play drums on a couple of tracks and percussion on a couple of tracks but i'm really doing the production and the writing uh with the guys and, and uh with the band um that's nicky guerra and ariel de la portia and guerra grooves uh dave Egar and myself along with Mick jones and the, and the entire four crew are, are heading out to the greek theater um and a couple other West Coast states. That's all available on foreigner, on, on, on foreigner.com um, online. We're leaving next Monday. We got a week off, and then we do Detroit. We're actually doing Youngstown, Ohio, and Grand Rapids, Michigan as well. So that we're a little kind of close to Columbus. Yeah. That's in a couple weeks' time also online. Uh, in November, I'm also doing, I do a lot of artist. Uh, uh, residence, uh, education residencies, artist residencies. And so there's a middle school, high school fi- uh, fine arts uh, program in Boise, Idaho. Um, uh, the principal there is Christian uh, Housel and uh, Dave Egger and myself and a mixed martial artist or sorry, a kick, kickboxing uh, and martial artist, multi-martial artist, Lynn Cook. We're going to go there for a week and work with the kids and, and um, explore how the martial arts and what you can learn from that discipline you can apply to other disciplines like dance and obviously music theater visual arts and things like that so um, got my hands in a a lot of different things working on a track the call came in from a producer down in Jamaica I'm working on a a track today with gonna track drums on Thursday and on on a a track I'm producing um, with him so Moving, moving, fast and moving, moving furious, but uh, <laughs> but 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 always learning, man, and having an absolute
1: blast, dude. It sounds like it, dude. I, I'm I'm so happy for you, man. It's so exciting to catch up with you, and uh, and draw inspiration from what you're doing, and just kind of like and constantly learning and, and stuff, man. It's this is this has been a total blast, man. It, I'm so glad you were into to doing this. And adding to our adding to our podcast, man, uh, I just can't thank you enough.
0: I cannot thank you, Matt. I really do not say it lightly at all, man. thank you mm. so much for having me. It's just yeah, it's, it's really just- just an honor absolutely thrilled and thanks for for doing this and yeah. what you do for the community and how real it is and where you go and 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 the information that you're bringing in the perspective Ooh. and the dialogue oh my gosh man it's incredible so yeah. i'm honored to be here bro.
1: great well what a what a great excuse to catch up with you my friend
0: yeah. totally man it's so great to see you i was yeah. just thrilled for this and yeah, yeah. when i'm in nashville certainly if you're in new york it's it's beer o'clock man let's do a little uh <laughs> or seltzer water o'clock or coffee o'clock whatever o'clock it is We're, we got to get together and hang out
1: how, yeah. it, how about a good coffee stout
0: perfect nice. <laughs> we'll mix it all together <laughs> a, little, a, little fun, a little collaboration
1: everything in moderation <laughs> including moderation that's 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 what i believe i love it i love it <laughs> chuck man great to see you i'm gonna cut you loose have a great rest of your day and and, and thanks for doing this my friend
0: Thank you, Matt. Great to see you. Great to talk. Thanks, everyone.
1: Take care. Peace, my friend.
0: Peace,
1: brother. Bye. See ya. So there you have it, my conversation with Chuck Palmer. I hope you found that conversation inspiring, and it was so fun to connect with an old friend. I hope you have drawn some inspiration from that as well. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albeda's interview with drummer Sam Merrick. He is in a traveling production of Hamilton. He's based out of Atlanta, but I believe he splits his time between Nashville and New York City. So uh, that should be really fascinating. So check that out next week. But for now, everyone, stay safe, get vaxxed, and hope to see you around real soon. Bye-bye.